Hi, Natalie. Hey, Tara. What's up? How are you? Hanging in there. Enjoying the uh, change in seasons, watching the leaves turn. It's entering fall, my favorite season. Yes, same. I love fall so much. I am a chore jacket kind of gal. Mm-hmm. Not too into like super cold weather, but I like like the nice cool weather. And I'm from Tennessee and in the Smoky Mountains, the leaves are like, it's like a rainbow of colors. So many beautiful colors of leaves. The best. It's my favorite time of the year. Minus the yeah. arachnid apocalypse currently happening outside on my porch. I don't love that, but you know. Oh. Oh my gosh. I'll deal with yeah, it. Yeah, I have a giant yellow and black spider. No. Giant. Stop. But it's in a spot that's not walkable, so I just let it's, her it's be. It's still unacceptable. She's, she's eating other bugs that annoy me. That's true. <laughs> oh, hi. Welcome to the store. Welcome. I'm Tara. I'm Natalie. Uh, let us know if you need anything. We'll be behind the counter chatting away. So speaking of the Smoky Mountains, Natalie, have you ever been to Dollywood? I have not been to Dollywood. Isn't that ridiculous? It, <laughs> oh, it is a joy, especially in the fall with the leaves. But there are rainbow-colored butterflies all around because Dolly Parton loves butterflies. There's like a museum where you can see her fabulous outfits. I'm sorry, these butterflies, are these like Dolly-branded Rainbow butterflies, like... Yeah, they're just everywhere. They're, they're staff. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, they're just sticking in the ground. There's signs with butterflies everywhere. There's like a giant flower garden that says Dollywood has oh, I have all these seen that. beautiful... It's like shaped like a butterfly. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hey, look who it is. Hey, welcome. Hi. It's Rodney Oliver Bay. Hey, you guys. How are you? How's it going? Good. How are you? Great. I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm alive. Good. Yeah, we were just in here chatting about being excited for the fall season and Dollywood of all places. Have you ever been to Dollywood? Oh my God. No, I have not been to Dollywood, but I'm dying to go to Dollywood. I love all things Dolly. Yeah, I just, I want to go. I want to be around the butterflies. I want to soak it up. (laughs) It's definitely on my list. We are going to manifest that for you. We're going to get you to Dollywood. Sheer cosmic energy. Absolutely. Yeah, I would love to go back. I don't remember the last time I was there, maybe college, and it's been a long time, <laughs> two decades since college, I guess, something like that. What do you do at Dollywood? Yeah, Are there like roller coasters? Yeah, there's roller coasters. There's, you know, the history of Dolly. There's the Dolly Parton Museum. She's got all of her costumes, her wigs, the story of her family. There's even like a real live train yes, that still goes I through the that. mountains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's shows, of course, roller coasters. There's like a falcon and eagle preserve. What? So that they can rehabilitate injured eagles and put them back into the wilderness. Oh, that's amazing. Um, There's uh, like you can learn how to make lye soap and like leather goods. (laughs) Just a little bit of everything. Yeah, there is seriously a little bit of everything. I, mean, I may have Funnel to bring my own shea butter, but you know, we can <laughs> stop it. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. You have me at funnel cakes, so now I want to go to Oh, I love yeah. a good funnel, honey. Funnel cakes and falcons, sign me up. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I actually just listened to this audiobook on my way to vacation. It's uh, Dolly Parton's Song Teller. 
And it's a book where she's talking about all of her favorite songs that she's written over the years and kind of like what they meant Mm. and stuff like that. It would be kind of cool just to talk about songs by country divas like Dolly. We know you're a country enthusiast, Rodney. I am a country diva. That's that's no tea, no shade. Like, I, mean, <laughs> I don't think it gets any more country than me, honestly. And I definitely have my diva moments, and I definitely grew up on the country, uh, the queens of country, that is. You know, I can go down to this, but yeah. I'm yeah, no, it. tell us about that. Where did you grow up, and how were you kind of introduced to country music? Um, I grew up in Northwest Georgia, uh, born and raised in Cartersville, but my family is from, like, uh, Ella J, Blue Ridge, Fairmount, uh, Georgia, like all like the end of the Appalachian, you know, mountains, you know, beautiful creeks and waterfalls and just, you know, a lot of countryside. Uh, my great grandfather worked a farm. My uncle Charles owned a farm. I had two uncles that owned farms and my grandmother and her sisters and during the summers uh, would help out on all three of these farms, including myself. So, I mean, I had I had the best of both worlds. My father's from the city of Atlanta. So on weekends, I would, you know, go down to the city of Atlanta and hang out with, you know, my cousins and do ratchet things. And (laughs) pretty much how I got my edge. So I was pretty much like a very uh, well-rounded kid and country music was a a part of it all. I mean, you just couldn't escape it. Like anywhere you went, you heard country music and and. I had uncles that were like, you know, <laughs> cowboys <laughs> and they like George Strait and, you know, Johnny Cash. And so it was it was always a part of the fabric for sure. So yeah, I think me and my little glitter baton, honey, it was like twirling to some, you know, Patsy Cline and Loretta Lynn and you name it. All the queens. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Natalie, what's your history with country music? Do you have a history with country music? Not really. Not so much. So I grew up. I'm a huger. I grew up in Indiana and it was kind of peppered in there. Like I always respected country music as having like some of the best songwriters and the best singers out there, even though it wasn't like playing a lot in the home. We did have a few of our favorite songs here and there and, you know, tunes that I recall from my youth. But I always knew it was like the real deal when it came to like really talented musicians and stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of the same way. I mean, I definitely grew up around it a little bit more being in Tennessee and my papa used to play the banjo all the time (laughs) when I would visit him. But I was never like I was listening to rock music and like New Kids on the Block as a kid. It wasn't I was like not really into country music for myself. But then the 90s hit and had this like resurgence of country music and it was just everywhere. I mean, I really started to enjoy it. I mean, that Garth Brooks record is so good. Which one? The one with like the thunder rolls and friends in oh, low places yeah. I and got all that. Friends in love <laughs> you can actually twerk to that. Yeah. <laughs> you said twerk to that. <laughs> but yeah, but I agree. Like I and I grew up totally respecting country music and knowing that Dolly Parton was uh, someone who I should look up to, maybe not in a way of like looking like her, but knowing that she was she was making her own choices and like wanted to be herself. You know that that whole thing. So Rodney, sometimes when we have guests in the store, we like to play this thing called the high fidelity game. Would you want to play with us? We could do top five songs by country divas. Yes. I would love that. Awesome. Sweet. Let's do it. Okay. I am going to go first. I'm going to kick it off with one that might be totally unexpected. I kind of just went with my gut on this one on not just this choice for number five, but 
the whole list. What do I really like? What do I re- respect? Songs that speak to me or just like songs that I still listen to frequently. And so number five for me is one that I can't remember if it was my mom or my dad had this cassette tape when I was growing up, but I heard it a lot and I still to this day think about this song often. It is Kathy Matea, 18 Wheels and a Dozen Roses. 18. From 1987, this song is not written by Kathy Matea. It's written by two men, Paul Nelson and Gene Nelson. I guess they're brothers, the Nelson brothers. Oh my gosh, do you remember them? The Nelson twins? Oh, seriously? It's those guys? It's not those oh, guys, but I, I just say. thought of them because they, <laughs> <laughs> they both have the last name Nelson. Anyways, so she recorded this song and it was released in 1988 as a second single from her album Untasted Honey. It's about this man, it kind of starts out like he has a gold watch and he can't wait to get home to the woman he loves kind of a thing. And then it talks about the woman like not having to wait anymore and it's like a few more miles on his four-day run. It's it's like a retirement song for this trucker. And another fun thing about this is my mama, she was an escort for those like wide load trucks. So she would drive the cars with the lights on the top behind, not that Uh, kind of escort. (laughs) So she would drive a car with like flashing lights on the top of her car behind or in front or beside a wide load truck. And she had a CB name and it was Mountain Lady and her husband was Mountain Man. And all that being said, there's the whole like trucker thing that I kind of like, I like about the song and it reminds me of my grandparents. But there's this man who used to be their friend and he looked just like Kenny Rogers. I mean, exactly like Kenny Rogers. And they called him Spark Plug. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think that's a thing. No, I've seen a couple of Kenny Rogers. I think it's a vibe. I think it's I think it's a vibe. I think it's a it's it's definitely an aesthetic. I've I've seen about a good three to five in my lifetime where I'm like, damn, he looked like Kenny Rogers. <laughs> and they all had weird names. <laughs> really? That's so funny. Well, I saw this TikTok recently and this woman was like, you ain't country unless you know somebody who has some weird nickname that they really do go by. Mm. And like, you don't ever actually know their real name. And she said, I had an uncle named Rabbit. We yeah. called him Rabbit. And then I was like, oh Junebug. my gosh, Spark Plug. Spark Plug. <laughs> did you say Junebug? We, I had a few Junebugs. Junebug. You did too? Yeah. So I'm like, I want to know. There was who, what one are guy your... named Shade Tree. Shady obviously, Tree? Shade Tree. Like he, he, oh, he Shade was Tree. a mechanic, obviously. <laughs> Oh. So they would be like, don't take it down at the uh, shade tree and let them take a look at it. <laughs> shade tree, shade tree, my car ain't got no brakes. Shade tree. And he'd come out with his little 40 beer. Yo, what's going on? Oh what what you need? What you need? What you need? Shade tree, come look at this. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I knew a pumpkin, not pumpkin. 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 And it's so funny because, like, I don't even know the real name of this person. I just know him as Sparkplug. And my my grandfather's name was Earl. Then my uncle was an Earl Jr., which meant then we just called him Bubby. Oh, I thought you was going to say EJ. <laughs> B- no, Bubby. Okay. You know, hey, black folks, listen, we got all kind of family members and friends, honey. We don't even know. We don't know first or last name, and it doesn't even matter. 
I mean, they right. could go to, to their grave as, you know, as a pumpkin or a or poo-poo or a key or, you know, Stakisha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I love it, though. I, I think it's that. personal and, you know, endearing. Yeah. Do you all know that song, 18 Wheels and a Dozen Wheels? I've heard I don't. that song. Yes, I have. I have not. It's so good. You don't know that one, Natalie? No, you're like hitting me out of the gate with a name I've never heard of. I don't think I've heard of Kathy Matea before, so. Oh, and yeah, she's, so she's originally from South Carolina, but grew up in West Virginia, and she's had like 30 singles on the Billboard charts. Really? And she's worked with Dolly Parton and Michael McDonald, who kind of looks like Kenny Rogers. Facts. It's a conspiracy. (laughs) Okay, number Four. This one is from 1991 by Reba McIntyre. That's the night the lights went out in Georgia. Originally, this song was written by this man named Bobby Russell in 1972. But he was married to... A woman who was a singer, comedian, actress, maybe you know her, maybe you don't, Vicki Lawrence. That's right, a from what? Mama's Family. That's crazy. <laughs> she is crazy. recorded this song first before Reba McIntyre because he was like, oh, I wrote this song. He didn't want to record it himself for whatever reason. He offered it to, I think... Share like Sonny and Cher, and they declined it. They offered it to... Bobby Russell was also really good friends with Dolly, too. Bobby Russell yeah. was? Oh, I didn't know that. He offered it to Liza Minnelli, but she refused it. And so, of course, Vicky was like, well, I'll just do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so Vicky Lawrence recorded it, and it became a number one song on the Billboard charts, and she was then a one-hit wonder. She never went on to have any hits. Let's hear a clip of the Vicky Lawrence version of... The night the lights went out in Georgia. That's the night that the lights went out in Georgia. That's the night that they hung an innocent man. Okay, so then fast forward to 1991 and Reba McIntyre records this album after she has an airplane crash that killed like most of the members of her touring band. And I think the song or this album in particular just had like a bunch of hits on it probably because I don't know, maybe it hit the hearts, you know, of, of her fans. She had a lot of popular songs on this particular album. I also just want to mention that this song is southern gothic style song because i will mention it again related to a different song on my list but southern gothic is this subgenre of country music that or fiction or film that is heavily influenced by gothic elements of the american south so often has like stories that are kind of disturbing but also have eccentric characters maybe involved in some like decayed or derelict settings, uh, grotesque situations, sinister events, and sometimes stemming from poverty or crime and violence. Mm. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> is it gangster music? <laughs> yeah, basically, basically. So, um, this is the Southern Gothic murder ballad, and the plot of this song. The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia is that there's this man who's only identified as brother and he stops at this bar before he goes home to his wife and at the bar he encounters this friend named Andy who informs him that while he was gone his wife was having an affair with that Amos boy Seth Uh and then 
he admits that he himself had also been with her. And so now brother is mad and he leaves the bar abruptly and Andy goes home. And then assuming that his wife had already gone, uh, left town, brother goes to get, goes home to get his gun that his father had left in. Mm. And he goes through the backwoods to Andy's house. On the way there, though, he notices a set of footprints that are too small for Andy to have made. And so uh, he goes in further and he sees Andy lying dead on the floor from a gunshot wound. In a panic, he shoots a shot into the air. Then uh, uh, that actually gets himself arrested for Andy's murder. The judge basically declares brother guilty and sentences him to death by hanging and then the story kind of wraps up as the narrator reveals that she is the sister of an innocent man and that it was her footprints that brother Uh saw on the way to his on the way to Andy's house so Uh then towards the end of the song there's a part that's like little sister don't miss when she aims her gun and then also in the song's chorus the singer blames the criminal justice system for brother's death Warning the listener, don't trust your soul to no backwoods southern lawyer because the judge in town's got bloodstains on his hands. I'm sorry, is this all in the same song? <laughs> this is one song. How long is this daggone song? First, <laughs> That's a good question, actually. Let's look. I mean, low-key, it's given Netflix series. I, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, girl, I want to know about all of this. I want to see the visuals. I'm worn Is out. it a music video to this song? There is a music video. And actually, the song, Reba's version, is only four minutes long. Is she rapping? She must be speed rapping. <laughs> you should check it out. It's really great. I need a I'm stage play. I'm surprised you don't know this one. Mm-mm. I need a stage play. Yeah. I'm Actually, wait. There is a movie because Tanya Tucker did a version of the song with different lyrics, though, and a different timeline <laughs> um, for the soundtrack of the movie. But I've never seen the movie, and I don't know if it's any good. But yeah, it got also to the charts, not to the very top of the charts, like Vicki Lawrence's version, but it broke a streak of... 24 consecutive top 10 country singles by McIntyre because it only got to number 12. Oof, wow. Okay. <laughs> that is a lot. But you know, yeah. what do you call it? Um, not American Gothic. What is it called? Uh, Southern. Southern Gothic. Southern, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I love those kind of songs though. I'm like, damn. Me too. I always think of the state of the artist. Like what? was the state like where the hell did they just come in from a bar drinking or <laughs> you know was this like a family story or is it just like yeah. you know just i don't know um you know just fiction where they just like you know just imaginative and just like go you know like i don't know go to narnia or something like you know, <laughs> just, oh you know it always leaves me thinking like yeah the, the writer like it's just so amazing i think it's so cool it's really fascinating it is. I mean, I feel like there's so many wonderful, oh, and it stems from like murder ballads that are coming over from like the UK when they didn't have, like they didn't have news outlets yet back in the day. So they had these like minstrels that would go around and sing about the news and the things that were happening. And so they would sing around, they would sing like, you know, such and such, and such killed so-and-so and da-da-da-da, but then it would carry over across the pond and then it would, you know, turn into like a That is so interesting because you know singing. somebody was yeah. probably putting a twist on that shit too. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a song called Knoxville Girl. The Lemonheads actually covered it later. I'm a huge Lemonheads fan. So the Lemonheads covered it and it's and it's basically about this guy and he like murders this girl and throws her into the Tennessee. Oh, my I don't know, like all this stuff is so interesting to me. 
<laughs> Shit, that's enough to make it's me like, want to go to the bar and drink. Goodness gracious. It's like true, right. It's like true crime before we had Netflix and, you know, podcasts. You know what? I think a lot of these writing teams, they need to go back to the basics and they need to pull some of these songs, honey. <laughs> I do too. I mean, I miss even back in the day when hip hop had like storytelling in it, you know? Remember, Brenda, um, got a... <laughs> Baby, that video forever scarred from that video, bro. I was like, Tupac, what was you really? And bone to bone, 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 yeah. bone. Uncle I mean, Charlie with them black eyes. Crossroads. These yep. are real life experiences. Real life experiences. These songs are somebody's truth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, that's why Coal Miner's daughter, honey, don't even get started on that because you know that's my tea. <laughs> you know that is my telling, tea. She, she was telling her story Ooh, about how she grew Loretta up. Yeah. Old dude, okay. come in here and growl like a big old bear. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get down to number three, which is yet another Southern Gothic song. And it's from 1969 by Miss Bobby Gentry herself. It's the song Fancy. Here's your one chance, Fancy, don't let me down. Here's your one chance, Fancy, don't let me down. Lord. Yes, I love this one. Fancy, which Reba McIntyre covered mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. Bobby Gentry, American singer-songwriter. She was one of the first female artists in America to compose and produce her own material. She had her first Southern Gothic hit in that song, Ode to Billy Joe, which was kind of about this guy he it's a family talk around a table about a guy who jumped off a bridge and i think is about how like some folks can really empathize with others and their pain and sorrow and yet there's i think the brother in the song just continues eating like he he doesn't care but this is not about that this is about fancy and fancy depicts the protagonist a woman using prostitution to overcome her own childhood poverty to break the cycle of the family's poverty that she was in. Fancy and her her white trash family, uh, a baby sibling, their mother, the father having abandoned them, living in poverty in one room, uh, a one-room rundown shack on the outskirts of New Orleans. Her mother is terminally ill. There's no way to take care of the baby. So in a last uh, desperate act to save Fancy from this cycle she's trying to break, her mother spends her last money to buy Fancy a red dancing dress, <laughs> makeup, and perfume. And she encourages Fancy to start moving uptown, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and be nice to the gentlemen. And Fancy, they will be nice to you. Uh-huh. Nudge, nudge, wink, mm, wink. So much I can say on that. This is the only way Fancy will be able to gain financial independence. The song says, here's your one chance. Fancy, don't let me down. If you went out, well, it's up to you. So Fancy goes off, never to return. Shortly thereafter, the mom dies. The baby is placed in foster care. And then she becomes sort of trapped in this new way of life with her head hung down in shame. She is finally taken off the streets by a benevolent man. And begins having relationships with wealthy, powerful men, which she parlays into owning a Georgia mansion and a New York City townhouse. And then 15 years later, after being taken off the streets, she denounces the self-righteous hypocrites who criticize her mother for putting her in that situation and celebrates the prosperity she has now. Okay. I want to be like Fancy. Shit. I ain't mad. I mean, I'm not mad she at broke fancy. the cycle. And, and, and look, no tea, no shade. I know a lot of fancies, and I am not yeah. even mad. And low-key, I just found out that I got a little childhood friend. Honey, he's a fancy. 
Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, not the link tree. Stop it. <laughs> wow, really? Girl, yes. I ain't gonna say no names, but yeah, childhood friend. This was probably like three days ago. Um, oh, wow. Like, oh my God, like he's beautiful. He's, I mean, gorgeous, you know, and then, oh, he's got a boyfriend. Oh, okay, cute. He's come out the club. Okay. I'm scrolling and I'm like, oh, ooh, uh-uh. <laughs> a link. Not just a link, but a, a, a very pornographic image. And I'm oh, like, wow. oh my Lord, no wonder. And you know, we haven't seen him in so long. I mean, I moved away like nearly 15 years ago, but I am not mad at him. I'm like, honey, I knew how hard it was, not just for him, but for us, me as well. But I mean, he's doing his thing. And as, if he if he likes it, I love it. Okay. Yeah. Do what you gotta yeah. do. Okay. Do what you gotta do. Plus, Period. if it's your body. Because I damn sure ain't finna be with nobody rock. <laughs> if you are the one in control of your body. My body, my I choice. Period. Right. Thank you. It's your decision. Exactly. Yeah. And and yeah, that's what she's saying. She's like, you guys are self-righteous hypocrites and I broke the cycle. And like, yes. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> <laughs> Much like the fictional fancy story, Bobby Gentry, too, grew up in poverty in the South and less than a year before re- releasing the song, she married a famous, like, rich casino guy, that Hera guy, Bill Hera, from, like, Hera's Casinos. Oh, wow. She married him? Yeah. Excuse me. Well, it didn't last very long. Less than a year, actually. But still, like, this kind of matches fancy story a little bit. I think so. You know? I think it's pretty clear that Bobby was in it to make her coin because she, like, popped in. She had a Vegas, you know, shindig going on. She made that money, <laughs> yeah. and then she just disappeared from the face of the industry. Yeah. She got in and got out, and it looks like she's still living quite comfortably, so good for her. Yeah, and this was a crossover hit, too, not just in the country charts, but in the pop charts as Uh well. So that was was two-step into this? Yeah, and she said, Fancy is my strongest statement for a women's lib, if you really listen to it. I agree wholeheartedly with the movement and on all serious issues that they stand for. Equality, equal pay, daycare centers, abortion rights. I love that. And she was so cute, too. Like, I love her performances. She's so sassy and she'd be dancing. She's just really great. She's got that sultry, husky voice. I like He Made a Woman Out of Me. That's another Bobby Gentry favorite. Oh. I feel All like right. she was the blueprint for like 90s Shania Twain. Yes. Just oh. like that ultra feminine, but still with that sweet girl next door kind of energy. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. So the next one on my list is actually a rather controversial, well, to the men in the 70s in the country scene. And this person, again, we know her, we love her, is no stranger to controversy, Loretta Lynn. Oh, yes. This is the song, The Pill. All I've seen of this old world is a bed and a doctor bill. I'm tearing down your brooder house, cause now I've got the pill. Ah, <laughs> very controversial. That's a good, yeah. But not really. It's funny though. It's only controversial because somebody sang about it. Exactly. Well, yeah. You know, Proudly sang about it. And someone not anyone sang about it, but Loretta sang about it. Right. I mean, she had to be independent so early on and had to find her way. Oh gosh. She and did. it's just like she exuded a lot of power. You know. 
Yeah. So The Pill came out in 1975. It was actually, she wrote it before, but they sat on it for a minute. I mean, the record label would not release this song. And it turned out to be one of her best known songs, as well as the most controversial record of her career. It briefly crossed over to mainstream, but it's so, this is a comic tinged song about birth control. The song tells the story of a wife who's upset about her husband getting her pregnant year after year, but is now happy because she can control her own reproductive choices because she has the pill, uh, which was introduced in 1960. But we, like, Loretta Lynn was married when she was 14 years old. She had four kids by the time she was 18, so this is Mm -mm. really relevant to her own life, though she never wrote this song. This is not a song written by herself. She had been congratulated after the song was released and after its success from rural physicians telling her how the pill had done more to highlight the availability of birth control in isolated areas than any of the literature that they'd released because it's just like there wasn't really anything going out there and plus the kids a lot of them either couldn't they they weren't going to school they were helping out on the farm there was only more kids going to school I think later on like closer to the 80s maybe late 70s or not late 70s sorry maybe early 70s when the government decided to to give families benefits if their kids were going to school. So there's probably a lot of uneducated, illiterate country folk who didn't know much about the pill until they could hear it in a song. And then just to talk about like, there was a 60 radio stations that banned that song across the United States. That's more than one radio station per state. They weren't banning it because of its risque subject matter, because there were lots of songs that were released around the same time by men or that had a different tone. Like in 1971, that's, let's see, four years before The Pill was released, the song, The Pill. Chet Atkins produced a song by Laureen Mann, vocals by the Jordanaires, and it's called Hide My Sin, and in parentheses, spells out letter by letter, trigger warning, abortion, New York, like A hyphen, B hyphen, O hyphen, Mm -hmm. R. And it was played on radio. And the female narrator sings the sad story of the abortion that she's already had and she regrets. And then Harry Chapin in 1972 wrote a song called Woman Child about the groupie having an abortion, which he says is certain is not his or maybe certain it is his. Either way, I think the difference here is that Loretta is proudly singing about the pill because she can. She's married, number one. Why would she have any shame? She already has all these kids too. Like, why would she have any shame? She's just trying to live her life and make love to her husband. Okay. Without having to feed more children. I dig it. That's the one ahead of its time, too. I yeah. Know. For sure. Totally. Okay. Last but not least at all. Yeah, number one. Definitely, certainly not least. Number one, Dolly. Of course. Duh. Duh, it's Dolly. The song, Jolene, 1973. Oh. Bravo. Jolene, 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 Jolene. I'm begging of you, please don't take my man. Right? I had to. I still listen to this song. I the still song play it out when I little, DJ. I ain't gonna go there yet, but I just really wish Dolly would have whooped her ass in that bank. Oh. Girl. <laughs> That's the remix. But the see, ass whooping remix. Okay. I'm going to have to recoup the city girls for this week. <laughs> like, ain't no way you finna be talking to my husband working at this bank with this red hound. Uh, it's called Jolene Gets Jacked. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think this song is, well, I love the upbeat tempo of it. 
and it's so easy for everyone to sing along to. But according to Dolly, the song was inspired by this redheaded bank clerk who flirted with her husband, Carl Dean, at their local bank when they were newlyweds. But she also said that the name Jolene for the song came from this little girl. She was signing her autograph like after a show. And she's like, oh, what's your name? And she said, Jolene. She said, oh, is that, that's a pretty name. Is that short for Joe? Is your dad named Joe or something? And she's like, no, it's just Jolene. And (laughs) Dolly said, oh, I love that. It's so pretty. Well, if you ever hear a song, it's because I named it after you because I love your name. And she was like the whole time trying to not forget this name while she was going back on tour, like Jolene, 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 Jolene. And so that's how like she just wrote this song from that. I love that. This makes sense. I I love how creative and how just like raw in her creative properties, like Dolly is. Like she, like even like nine to five from the fingernails, like. Like, I love that. Yeah. And and same with Loretta Lynn writing about kind of controversial things and about women's rights and like just being an independent woman. She's written a song, I think it's called Fishy, where it's like, I know what you're doing. You can't fool me. I'm just because I'm a girl doesn't mean I can't see around. Like, I see what you're doing. I sort of feel like she had, I sort of feel like Loretta had hands too, low key. (laughs) Oh, like she had to have hands. Speaking, I totally forgot to mention this, but speaking of Loretta Lynn, do you know what I just learned about her? Crystal Gale is her biological sister, like actual sister. Oh, really? What? Born Brenda, named Crystal oh, Gale as a celebrity. Good. Are you for real? I'm not even joking. That's serious. That's for real, for real. Like her name was, she was born Brenda. They made her stage name Crystal Gale so she wouldn't be confused with Brenda Lee. Oh. That's wild. And yeah, and Loretta Lynn's granddad was a Cherokee Indian, which meant her mom was like half or something. And I feel like Crystal so Gail's got that beautiful, long, yeah. black, jet black hair and then has the dad's like blue eyes. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, Google it. I'm not even that kidding. That is like, so cool. Biological I sister. love it. I don't know. I can't believe I didn't know that. Okay. It's a country right? landscape. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the country landscape is so juicy. Like just it all is. these true. dramatic tidbits. I love it. But anyways, back to Dolly. I love her. Uh, she wrote other songs like Dumb Blonde. Like, yeah. And she's really good, too, about writing stories. Yeah. Um, that Southern Gothic kind of style. That was That's a my list. list. That was awesome, Tara. I love it. Thank you. Yes, I love Sorry, it. Sorry, it was a little long-winded talking about those Southern Gothic stories, but they're so I juicy. I want to put one on on my way home. <laughs> but I'm afraid it might lead me to a bar, and I'm not trying to call it Uber and leave my car somewhere. <laughs> Because I will do it. <laughs> I love it. Okay, Rodney. Yes. I'm dying to know your list. Oh, smell. Okay, Stop so my number five is Wanda Jackson's I Gotta Know. I gotta know. I gotta know. I gotta know if I love Wanda Jackson, listen, she's the female version. First of all, she's Wanda Jackson. So let me just make that clear. She's Wanda Jackson. But if there's any comparisons in the female sense to Elvis, it's Wanda Jackson. I mean, she even dated him. They used to date. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. No, I did not 50s, know that. I mean, she, her and Elvis, I mean, that was getting it popping. And, you know, he was running around wow. seeing everybody else. And But, you know, I think she embodied a lot of her vocal styling 
uh, I think I think she she pretty much was like inspired by him. I mean, she dated yeah. him. I mean, I'd probably be singing like you know I don't know rhyming out or somebody if I was you know I might try to hit them that too. But <laughs> anyway, but in the industry they compared her. They I mean they they sort of like deemed her as the female Elvis and. Um, she had this really interesting vocal styling where she could she could go like sad and sappy like country and then she just like would roar like with these like vocals and like she sort of like yeah. these like hiccupy kind of gritty. I mean her yeah. vocalizing was pretty just just awesome. And the song I gotta know she basically just saying you know if this is not the real thing you know then where's my wedding ring because. I ain't got time. Like, Ooh. I gotta know what is we doing? Like, we shit or get off the shit pot. Or get right? off the pie. And I respect that because I'm low key going through it right now myself. But, um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I just love the tune. The tune is it's such a like, it's like a pendulum. It's like starts off slow and like very country and then it just, just goes into rock and roll and it's just it's a bop and, and it just keeps you on your toes so that it's is awesome. my queen of rockabilly too she's she is good I and love. she i mean obviously yeah. she has more hits and she's right. a stickler in women's music and in country music um, Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I was watching. I forgot. Maybe it was a movie. I don't even know how I learned of this song. I think I was. I don't know. Probably out in East Atlanta somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. Probably Star yeah. Wars, or Blue Frog. Or oh, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Cindy Lauper cited her as one of her earliest influences, and I think you can really hear that. I, you know Cindy what? Lauper because Wanda- Cindy has. Yeah, uh, Cindy sort of has like that quirky vocalizing too. Yeah. Um, I think it's dope. Um, So yeah, um, the next one is Patsy Cline. Crazy. Crazy. I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. Yes. I mean, she just bared it all. She just put it out there. She was like, listen, I'm crazy. You, you know, you going walking after midnight. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm in love. This is how I feel. And I think one of the most important things about a song is like an artist can write a song and be like a a big hit or not. But I think it's how the listener perceives the song and like what it means to the to the listener. And I think when I I first heard this song from Cole Miner's daughter, the scene where she where Loretta woke up in the bed with do and had just learned the news that Patsy had perished in the plane crash. Oh yeah, they were and they buddies. played that song, and so I was just like, every time I hear it, I just, I, I'm just so raw. I can I yeah. just say I love the song because I also just listened to Willie Nelson's uh, book, yes, yes, and and saw him on my birthday like a couple weeks ago. You saw Willie Nelson, and he he yeah, and it was amazing. Where? It made me cry. I was crying my eyes out at Maris uh, Amphitheater in Alpharetta, Georgia, of all places. Alpharetta, you saw Willie Nelson. Damn, yes. I see these are the these are the times I wish I was still living in Georgia. Because I would have straight up been like high as hell at the Willie yeah. Nelson concert period. He says, uh, what is it? Um, I hope I die when I'm high because I'll be halfway to heaven. <laughs> I'm sure he would. Because he's high. I need that yeah. on a t-shirt. He <laughs> <laughs> probably does have that on a t-shirt. Natalie and a coffee mug, okay? Yes. <laughs> he also says, roll me up and smoke me when I die. I mean, apparently Willie Nelson be smoking some serious gas. 
Yeah. Yeah. He must be. But he wrote crazy and He did. He was like, This is for like Patsy needs this song. Yeah. I really know I mean She made it her her own man, for sure. I just really feel like if we still had her, wow. I don't even know. Just yeah. Um, and I mean, everyone loves the song. It, it means so much, you know, so many things to many people. And of course, Willie Nelson wrote it. My next one after this one is Back to Loretta. <laughs> and this was a bit of a controversial tune as well. Don't come home a drinking. Period. Growing up with my grandparents, my granddaddy, you know, he was a chronic drinker <laughs> and he would come home late all the time. And my granny, she just wasn't having it. You know, don't come home or drinking with loving on your mind. Right. Yeah. Don't come up in here trying to kiss me when I'm laying in bed when you know been out with the boys. Yeah. I have never heard somebody put the same scenario of what I grew up and what I've witnessed as a kid in regards to my granddaddy out been having fun or just a man or a woman out having fun and their spouse is, you know, holding the fort down and, you know, they come home, they're feeling really good, but your spouse is pissed off. They yeah. mad. Like, you've been out with the boys all night and you want to come up in here like, no. Right, snuggling <laughs> and smooching. Uh-uh. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just stay out. I love how she says, "Just stay out there on the town. See, and see what, what you, you can, can find. find." Right. Because if you want that kind of love, where well, you don't need none of mine. So don't come home and drinking with loving on your mind. Did she not get him together? She, she sure straight did. up read him for filth. She's like, "Honey, stay that. out there on the town and see what you can find with your dirty, slutty ass. Don't come up here." <laughs> Like, I love her. Like, she, I think what a lot of people don't realize about Loretta Lynn, Loretta Lynn was reading down in a lot of those songs. She was shading left and right. Woman enough? Are you kidding? She was letting her know, honey, you ain't woman enough to take my man. You ain't woman enough. Like, girl, you might have him a time or two, but you can't take him. Like. And you better watch out because I'll take you down trip to Fist City. Period. That's why I say I know she has some hands. So, yeah, don't come home with drinking. And it's such a good tune. It is. It's so catchy. I like how she sings drinking. Drinking! She just, like, throws her head back to hit the note. I love it. I mean, she just was not playing around. Like, I I just, I love that about um, a woman that can just be assertive and just be like, Mm -hmm. listen, this is what it's going to be. You know, you kept me waking up when you came home last night. You've been out with the boys. Your breath smelling like liquor. (laughs) Like, no, ma'am. I'm here. I'm taking care of the kids. But I love stylistically the the, the tempo of the song, too. It's, It's got a really good, like... Mid high tempo. Let me ask you a question, Rodney. Let me ask you a question, though. So we're talking about all these wonderful songs and, you know, how brave these women were just expressing themselves and and speaking their truths. And I know you're also a very creative and artistic person. What are some of your favorite ways to, like, express yourself creatively? Music. Mm -hmm. Music. And um, art. Sculpting. Play with clay. Um, and yeah, those are pretty much my main two things. Writing, making music, um, and fiddling with my hands, like making things. Like I'm just, I feel like I'm just getting back to that aspect of like making things with my hands, like sculpting again. 
Like I've been like fidgeting around in some art studios over here in Jersey City with my homies. They got some really cool studios and, you know, I've been like on the wheel again. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I thought I lost it. But those are my top two uh, ways of expression. But I mean, I'm also a Gemini. So I'm very. (gasps) Me too. Period. I knew it. Yes. We're crazy. I love it. I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, I'm very emotionally driven um, and I get bored very easily. Like I have to stay fresh. And whatever it is I'm going through or whatever it is I have to do, if it becomes too monotonous and repetitive, I'm, honey, hang it up. Like, I, I just can't do it. So, yeah, um, expression, the way I dress, my hair, I got to switch my hair up every three months. Can't do the same style, you know, just like just ways of, I don't know, self-expression and art and music, I'd say for sure. Um, so, yeah, don't come home a drinking uh, with love and on your man, Loretta Lynn, the queen. My next one is. Oh, wait. Can I just say one thing that I read about the album was certified gold? And that was. Thank you. Loretta, it made Loretta Lynn the first woman in country music to receive such an Absolutely. Album, so absolutely. Major. And thank you because I was right on past it. Thank you for bringing this back, period. This was, I did know that this was one of her most successful albums. I didn't, I wasn't quite sure if it went gold or like platinum, but even still, I did know that. So yeah, facts. Yeah. And yeah, it was so controversial cool. too, because like, she was like, songs like The Pill, Loretta Lynn was in your face. Like, she was just, you know, she just had such a beautiful way of channeling her womanhood through through lyrics and song. And, you know, I am sure she ruffled a lot of men's feathers. Okay. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. you yeah. know, she done came out with, you know, all these other things. And now you can't even come home drinking. <laughs> Thanks. Good. Yeah. They needed them dusty well, feathers I, ruffled. And I guess Do was actually a heavy drinker at the time. Yeah. But he was also abusive. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh, did you hear? She, he kicked her he out when she was 14 and pregnant. Yeah, he used to touch, he used to touch Loretta, honey. 14. <sighs> 14 and pregnant. What was I doing at 14? That's I was on my sh- PlayStation. I know. Tommy Lee Child played. I didn't even like boys yet. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, my next one, maybe you would consider this Southern Gothic, maybe. Ooh. Nancy Sinatra, In My Room. In My Room. Do you know that one? I don't know that one, but also, is it the same one as the Bangles? We at the end of the hall. Yes. I don't know this one. I know this song. Yes. It's so, I mean, she goes in. So this song is about, okay, how do I, oh, how do I tackle this one? Because it's so interesting. It's musically orchestrated beautifully. The song has a very eerie uh, arrangement and it's just beautiful though, like a lot of strings and it's dark and it's so like you instantly just visually catch this song when you hear it. Like the imagery is amazing. Like there's a person sitting along, you know, her loved one's dead. She's alone. They were happy, but then again, you don't really know if they were really happy. All you know is that this person is mourning, you know, they've lost their loved one and they're just 
you know, recalling the, the memories, you know, over there is the chair when he held me when I cried, you know, over there is the picture when he made me his bride, over there are the flowers when he left, There, they all died, you know, mm-hmm. like poetic, mm-hmm. dark, eerie, and very like raw but and it's also a very short song too it's only like yeah two minutes yeah it's scary it's like one of those you remember you like you were a kid and you were like when you were a kid what was one song that you heard that was like scary <laughs> oh um <laughs> i always feel like somebody's watching me oh. <laughs> or backstabbers that used to scare the hell out of me. And what was another one? Uh, Papa was a Rolling Stone. That was one. I mean, I could not, I would be like paralyzed when I would hear these songs, like scared. Yeah. Mm. And this one was almost in the same. Well, no, it was. It was. Um, and Nancy Sinatra, so, I mean, yeah. she really wasn't like, I mean, her father was Frank. Sinatra, you know, she was sort of kind of like, I I would say experimental, like she had, she had a gift, she could sing, she, she could write, but she really didn't have a lane, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, cause she was like kind of pop, kind of rock, kind of country, she was like kind of everything. Folk, yeah. Yeah. And this one, I wouldn't even know if you would categorize it as country, but sort of. It's a very interesting song. Uh, I mean, it is on the Boots album, which I would consider. And it's on the Boots album, exactly. Yeah. I would consider these Boots are made for walking like a crossover hit. Yeah. Also, I'm just reading too, because each of these songs I haven't heard, I'm pulling up and like looking also, Mm -hmm. was backed by the Wrecking Crew, which was became the um, house band for Phil Spector, which oh, and Phil Wall of Sound. Crazy and all had some of the best, if not the best, recordings. Period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this song sounds like a Phil song. Yeah, I bet so, it is. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, in my cool. It's so it's so eerie. I love it. Mm. So my number one. Are you guys ready? Yes, drum roll. It's already time for your number one. Okay, okay. Yeah, girl. I, Let me prepare like, myself. I'm going okay. all off emotion. You, I'm. Look, you provide facts, and I love it. I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> this is what this song made me feel like. Well, see, I'm a Virgo. I love it. So it, it fits, <laughs> right? I will always love you, Dolly Parton. It's my number one. Of course. Yes. Good. Good, good, good. You know what? I can't even touch this song. And so it's so much to say about this song. It's so much to say. It's just, I mean, obviously we know Whitney Houston um, covered it and made it her own, but Dolly's version to me is so sweet and just so like, right? I have chills. I haven't even listened to it in the store while we're talking about it. Just thinking about it gives me chills. Take it from here. Take it from here. Because (laughs) I'm just like, and I'll be real with you. I thought it was Whitney Houston song when I first heard it. I was like, no way. And then I think I was probably like 14 years old when I realized Dolly wrote like, well, she didn't write the song. Um, um, uh, what's his name? She did. What's his name? Uh, she wrote, she it. wrote it about 
Yeah, I thought she wrote Porter. it. Porter. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you. I learned that Dolly, you know, this was Dolly's tune and Dolly's version of it just had I think more of an effect on me because it was just so sweet and you can just hear the the raw the realness and like the well of emotions, you know, that wasn't just so based mm-hmm. on like, you know, powerhouse vocals, but it was just like to be able to convey how you really feel so beautifully in a song is like to me one of the greatest talents ever. Like there's no yeah. written manual on how to do that. And an artist like Dolly Parton that does it so well all the time. It's just like I could go on and on about that song. It's 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 just honestly it makes me cry a lot. It's just so yeah. sweet. She has a really delicate delicate voice and she has such incredible vocal control to have such range. And to be able to like pull back, you know, pull back on the power and like shape her phrasing is, I mean, it's really masterful how she delivers vocally. Yeah. Always fascinated by that. And her penmanship. Oh my God. Her pen is nasty. (laughs) Dolly's pen is sick. She has such a way of telling stories, but also, yeah, conveying her own emotions through song. Like what you said. I mean, so yeah, you mentioned that. She wrote this for Porter Wagner, which mm-hmm. had her on his show, and they had kind of a tumultuous. They did. Relationship. They did. I just heard, you know, did. I just heard this in her song teller thing, but she was always grateful, and so when she's like bittersweet memories, you know, but I won't forget. Yeah. And I and you, it brings me joy and all this. Yeah. So we kn- we know the lyric. <laughs> and other people covered the song, but. That- like Ooh. they left out the Ooh. the talking part. Uh, Linda Ronstadt. Honey, I don't even know. Tyler, uh, can I wait you? Well, I know, right? <laughs> right. Leanne Rhymes. I mean, Le- yeah, I know, oh, but they uh, people I would take you. out that like monologue piece, and she's like, "That's the part that like ties it all together." Exactly. But Whitney did not. Probably because they couldn't get through it without crying. Just leave it out all together. together. Yeah, fact. So. That is so good. That was amazing. I love it. I love it. That's like also, you know how Stranger Things brought back Kate Bush? Right. Bodyguard brought back Dolly's song. I'll always love it. Facts. Yes, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That was like a cultural moment. And and I'm gonna go a step further. Whitney brought it back. Period. Whitney brought it back. Whitney brought that thing back and brought it back with a whole that song. Talk about Crossover, shit, that song, that song had a thousand, has a thousand lives. I couldn't understand it, but I heard, I I was like, yes. (laughs) Well, Dolly even re-recorded that for the Best Little Whorehouse in Texas soundtrack too. So yeah, it does have many lives, this song. Yeah, I love that about a song or an artist. Excellent list. Thank you. So good. Natalie. Okay, I'm going to bring us home. This is gonna be quick because there's a little bit of there's a little bit of a overlap here, and that's good because we're on the same Ooh. page. But one thing I just want to say, the one thing that's jumping out to me as we talk is like the power of country music. I feel like with pop music, we're being given like a fantasy, right? An escape. And like with rock, it's all about excess and bravado. You know what I mean? And country mm-hmm. is about real life. These are yeah. portraits of real life, real hard shit that people are experiencing. Whether, yes. whether it end in triumph or tragedy, like sometimes the story is just sad and it just that's just how it is. And but they're not they're not lying about that. It's just sincere and truthful. And I think that's the kind of thing that really takes root and why it's such a powerful genre. Right. Yes. I love yes. that. Yes. Yes. Also, yes. these or at least I know for sure Dolly and Loretta grew up in 
in the hills in poverty and are just telling about their real life experiences. And yeah, culturally, I think a lot of people were in poverty around the same time as them with the depression, you know? So I, yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's Speaking to a lot of people. Yeah. That's why it's timeless because it's not, I feel like pop music and, you know, whatever, it kind of shifts with the culture and the trends mm-hmm. and things like that. But these are just the stories of our lives and they're always going to to ring true for somebody at any given time. Yeah, so. yeah. that's true. With that Such said. Such a good point. Yeah. Natalie Here always with five. the, she sure did. With the she did that. points. Love it. So good. <laughs> Tara, you're going to be so proud of me for the first time. I think I actually have like an actual order of priority in my what? list. I know. Wow. I tried to challenge Let's myself this time. Okay. Coming I'm in at excited. number five, I have to give props. And I think this is the most recent entry from all of us. It's Miss Shania Twain. Man, I feel like a woman. Yes. Man, I feel like a woman. Yes. From 1997. I think that's when I knew I was gay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Look, me too, because she was fly. I loved her, okay? She was everything. This was her seventh single from Come On Over. And I got to say, I had to pick her. This was like the one true crossover country artist that managed to penetrate all the way through to the black high school girls I came up with. You know what I mean? And I had like one girlfriend in particular who was just unabashedly obsessed with Shania Twain. And she planted the seed. Like anytime we were in the car, anywhere we were, rolling with this particular girl, we will be listening to Man, I Feel Like a Woman, Any Man of Mine, That Don't Impress Me Much, just all the hits. And then we just knew all the songs, all of it. But she's she's great. I love the video, like the whole play on Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love video. I'm telling you that top hat, Mm -hmm. the floor length trench coat, the thigh high boot, the whole thing is like still a serve to this day, right? Amazing. Yeah, so she earned a Grammy for this song, well-deserved, I think, for Best Female Country Vocal. And it's cool. She said the song was inspired by drag performers she saw while working at a resort in Ontario. So, Wow. There you go. I love it. Yeah, this is my jam. And, I mean, like you were saying that that album crossed over for you. It's the biggest selling studio album by a solo female artist ever. What? Oh, yeah. I believe that. Yeah, in the Guinness Book of World uh, Records. Like, it's in, this was the seventh single. Like, how many songs off this album were huge hits? Right? You know? You, yeah, you, like, named m- most of them. Don't be, don't be stupid. Uh, you're still the one from this moment. From this I moment. I love from this moment. That don't impress me much. Man, I feel like a woman. Love gets me every time. I don't know that one. But that's, like, six. You've got a way. You've oh. got a way. That's another good one. That was a great album. That's seven. Bro. How, that's seven songs on a 16-song album. Yeah, killing it. Wow. All right. So next up, I've got Patsy Cline, She's Got You, from 1962. I've got your picture. She's got you. I've got the record. So this tune was written by Hank Cochran, and it's a cool story. As, as soon as he wrote it, he like knew instantly that it was going to be a hit. He's like, I have to come over and play this song for you right now. He came, hung out with Patsy Cline, played it for her. They got her producer, Owen Bradley, on the phone, and he agreed right away that it was a hit. And they famously did not get along about, you know, the kind of material 
that Patsy Cline should be releasing. But they all agreed unanimously. This is a hit. They recorded it the next day. She sang it to her producer over the phone, actually, the same night she heard it the first time herself. And it clicked. They recorded it the next day. And sure enough, this was her third hit single. And there's this really beautiful video on YouTube of her performing this tune. And she's just standing there with her hands clasped in front of her. And she's staring directly into the camera. And it's just mesmerizing. You're just like sucked into the emotion of the song right away. Let me read a stanza from the song. So she says, I've got the records that we used to share. And they still sound the same as when you were here. The only thing different, the only thing new. I've got the records. She's got you. Oh, And that's like the structure for every verse. You were talking about this with, I think, the Nancy Sinatra song, but like this is one of those prime examples of just masterful songwriting where it's very poetic, but it's not flowery. It's just straightforward. Every line packs a punch. And that's when I think songwriting is most impressive, you know? Yes, 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 yes. So love this song. Um, Kelly Clarkson actually does a really great rendition of this song, too. Kelly Clarkson is great. No, she's legit. She's legit. Check that out as well. And it was also a number one hit for Loretta Lynn in 1977 when she covered it. Oh, I love that. some good tea. Yeah. So cool. Also, yeah, I just love that stanza you read because we all relate to that so much. Even if it's not like a physical record, it's like we had our songs, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, kind of a thing. I love that. So my next pick was also Bobby Gentry Fancy. Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm I love that. I'm telling you, I was seeing like a full stage play of this entire song when I listened to it. (laughs) I saw it. Mama's in her sick bed. The baby's crying. She pulls her over. She says, honey, look, this this isn't going to end well. I'm going to put you in this red satin dress. I'm going to fix up your hair and makeup. It's time to go out there and do what you got to do to make a better life for yourself, sugar. <laughs> we should have been doing this whole episode in our country accents. What have we been doing? You will, you will cross those tracks and you will make <laughs> yourself. Right. <laughs> But yes, I love this. It's got all... Okay. Go ahead. But what happened to the baby who went to the foster home? Oh, yeah. That's another remix we never got. We never got that. Someone needs to write a part two. Right. I'm just thinking about what that story is. It's would like an Annie Daddy Warbucks <laughs> situation, right? With, right. The new, with the new money. Uh, I don't know. Well, it makes me think of uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, actually. Oh, wait. How so? Um, how the mom had the child, and but she was... Uh, and high, she was in, you know, dating. She was an escort. She was dating all these high-profile guys, and she oh, just yeah. left, left her kid. And what's what's his name? He wrote it. He wrote Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, it was based off his real life. Truman Capote. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, Truman. Yeah, his mother left him with uh, his a family member, grandma or something. Moved up north to New York and was dating all these high profile guys and would only come back to see him and would make promises that, oh, you know, I'm going to come back and get you when I have this beautiful home. And, you know, it never happened. So it yeah. birthed Breakfast at Tiffany's. Huh. That's so cool. We have so many fun little Easter yeah. eggs in this this chat. It's true. It. But yeah, this song, I love it. It's got all of the core country themes, tragedy, hard work, perseverance, you know. Upward mobility by any means necessary. Yeah. Uh, upward mobility, yes. <laughs> by any by means, any means necessary. necessary. Right. Yeah. And don't you bother judging me because I don't care. Um, <laughs> right. Bobby Gentry is great. Huge inspiration to so many big singer-songwriters that came up, um, notably Sheryl Crow, which I think you can absolutely hear in her work for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Love her. Okay. Next up, 
I have Loretta Lynn, You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man, 1966. You say you're gonna take him, oh, but I don't think you can. Cause you ain't woman enough to take my man. So, okay, we've we've spoken at length about how much we love Loretta Lynn, but what I love about her, besides her incredible voice, her awesome songwriting skills. And we talked about how like in your face and assertive she is. It's the way that she is singing like the most savage burns in the world. And the whole time she just has this big old smile on her face and this calm and bothered <laughs> expression, which I think is the best way to read somebody. Honestly, you got to kill him with the kindness. Oh, yes. yes. That is an art form. Um, it cracks me up. There's a part in the song where she's like, women like you, they're a dime a dozen. You can buy them anywhere. For you to get to him, I'd have to move over. And, and I'm, I'm going to stand right stay here. right here. And then she says, it'll be over my dead body. So get out while you can. Yes, because you ain't woman enough to take my But she's grinning the whole time. And it's hysterical. That's amazing. Oh. Yeah, so inspirational. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And then, and then when you're like already trying to tend to your wounds, she just keeps, <laughs> she just keeps digging in her claws. Sometimes a man, <laughs> man's caught looking at things he don't need. He took a second look at you, but he's in love with me. I don't know where that leaves you. <laughs> look, I'm just now. I just want to read the whole thing. Yeah, like, but I know so, where I stand. Oh, thank you. It's just so <laughs> over the top. Just uh, punch after it. punch. <sighs> um, yeah. But this single, this is the single that made Loretta Lynn the first country female artist to write a number one hit. And I mean, there's just, there are not enough hours in the day to walk through all of her awards and accolades and contributions. I mean, her career has spanned six decades. She's released like 60 albums, you know, Um, and, and it was hard. Like we talked about how she got a bit controversial and they banned a lot of her songs, but hell, they still went to number one anyway. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, yep. she's fantastic. It's almost, there's this like Barbara Streisand effect where, have you heard of this thing? This like phenomena? No. Mm-mm. Supposedly like a while back, I don't even know when, I don't know if it's like 80s or 90s, but there was a project where they had to photograph the coast. It was like a project where they were trying to save the coast of California or something. And she had her house on the coast and they photographed the coastline while she then sued because they put this picture like on the internet or something, but only like Seven people had downloaded the picture and two of them were her lawyers. But because she sued them, then like millions of people went and downloaded the the photo of her house, which you would never know is even her house. It's like this coastline with a bunch of big giant houses. Like you would never know which one is like Babs lives here. Like, no, you don't know. Because she sued and made such a big deal out of this, mm. everyone went and was looking for this picture. And so now these songs aren't even really that controversial, but because people are like, these are banned. Right. Now they're huge hits. They made a big stink about it. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, I want to hear this song. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I feel that too. Like, no, this isn't controversial yet. So I don't know. Yeah, I can see that. They're relatable too. Oh, absolutely. So. All right. So I think this is number five or my number one, I should say, my top pick. Okay, that was quick. Number one, Dolly Parton, Coat of Many Colors. My coat of many colors that my mama made for me. Made only from rags, but I wore it so from 1971. Oh, that's so, that's such a good one. I love this song. Oh my gosh. So and Loretta and Dolly were the top two picks on everybody's list. <laughs> oh, we are like aligned kindred spirits. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So 
this was this was tough for me. There are a lot of Dolly songs I love. It was like this one and um, The Bargain Store. I, I also really love The Bargain Store. But I went with Code of Many Colors because this is one of those songs that to this day, I cannot get through it without feeling the tears bubbling up and I get the lump in my throat. Oh. I have to like breathe. It's just, it just squeezes the heart right away. It's almost like that, that Christmas song, The Christmas Shoes. Yes. Yeah. I just can't get through it. It's be- And it's a true story too, which just make, makes it all yeah. the more heart, heart-wrenching. She's singing about a, a bag of rags that was given to her family because they, they lived in poverty. And her mom, it was late in the year and it was getting cold. And so her mother lovingly sewed this coat from these rags for her while telling her like the biblical story of Joseph and the, you know, coat of many colors. And like Dolly, little Dolly was so happy and excited to wear it to school. She was so proud. She had this thing that her mother lovingly made for her only to arrive and the kids laughed at her and mocked her. And she's like, you guys don't get it though. Like it's made with love. And she told them the story her mom told her. It just broke my heart. And then at the end, she told them, hey, look, if you want to feel poor, that's your choice. Like I I am poor, but I am still rich because I have Mm -hmm. someone who loves me this much to make something this precious for me. You know what I mean? It's just- Natalie, uh, you're wrong for that one. You're wrong. I'm sorry. Did I get you? You are wrong. Did I squeeze one out? But, you know, and and, I, yeah. and it's so relatable. I think all of us from every walk of life, we've had that kind of experience where we felt good about something or proud of something. And we Ugh. took a chance and put ourselves Excited, out there yeah. and just to be derided. And that's that confusion and that whew, I, it's just it's evergreen, you know, those feelings. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dolly has said that this is uh, her favorite song that she's written. And um, she wrote it on a tour bus and she didn't have any paper. So she wrote it on the back of a dry cleaner's receipt. And <laughs> she always doing something. <laughs> well, you got to get it down when it strikes. You got to get it down. But here's what's funny. The business, <laughs> the cleaner's receipt, the business, interestingly enough, was called One of a Kind Coats. <laughs> wow. So that receipt is now wow. framed and it's on display at Dollywood. If the two of you ever make it In over the there. Museum. Yeah. And a, nice. a version of the coat is also there as well that her mother made for her. Nice. Again. Yeah. Oh, this is great. So good. I didn't know that I would come here and shed a, about three, four tears. <laughs> Man. The store is a safe space. Natalie, you really brought it home. (laughs) You did bring it home. You really brought it home. Home to the hills. Oh, I love it. Home to the hills of Gatlinburg, Tennessee. What a good list we've compiled as a team. I love this so much. Do we have any uh, honorable mentions we want to shout out? Oh, yes. Of course we do. What you got, Tara? I was having such a hard time picking these dang songs. Stand by your man, Tammy Lyna. or. Period. Yes. <laughs> or D I V O R C E. Dumb Blonde, Dolly, Walking After Midnight, Funnel of Love. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Strawberry Dina Wine. Dina Car- on my list, girl. I was going to put it, but I had to choose five. <laughs> she was number six. <laughs> oh, shit. She was I love literally that number so six. Much. And I was in Cartersville one day. No kid you not. Walking in Walmart. And Dina Carter had a little table and she was signing <gasps> autographs. And I was like, Stop. shut the front door. And my mom didn't know who she was. And I was like, Mom, I'm finna get an autograph from her. I said, Mama, you know that song you always sing at karaoke when you drunk? Strawberry wine. She's, yeah. I was like, that's the singer and songwriter, Mom. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. She went to my college. She did. A little bit before me, but yeah. yeah. 
Um, and last one I'll say is goodbye, Earl. I wanted to, and definitely some Shania Twain, but I knew you might put something on there. I, I was trying to so read I, your mind too, right? Yeah. You know what? <laughs> yeah. I liked a lot of Shania's later stuff too. Gonna uh, get you good. Was it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. What are your honorable mentions? Uh, you named half of them, if not over oh. half. Yeah, you did. You straight Sorry. up named them. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> They're all so good. I know. <laughs> Hard to yeah. choose. If I had to choose you, another Natalie? one that you didn't, okay. Um, I like oh, Dusty Springfield. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I like it. I mean, uh, these walls. Um, obviously, everyone knows Preacher Man, but just a little loving. Oh, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. good. Yeah, Dusty was up there too, and Peggy Lee. Peggy Lee was another. Peggy, Peggy Lee. Lee was on my short list as well. Emmylou Harris. Lucinda Williams. Yeah. Winona. I love some Winona. What about you, Natalie? I also had, let me look back here. Tammy Wynette, um, Your Good Girl's Gonna Go Bad. I had Kitty Wells, It Wasn't God Who Made Mm -hmm. Honky Tonk Angels. (laughs) I wanted to shout her out because I feel like that was the beginning of the theme of like calling out an unfaithful, no good man. Yeah. And she did that in the 50s. Okay. Um, I also had Loretta Lynn, Don't Come Home a Drinking. Uh, Bobby Gentry, He Made a Woman Out of Me. Dolly, the bargain store. Yeah. These ladies know how to write a song. That's for darn sure. Okay. Yep, yep. Yep. Well, should we restock the recommendation shelf and then head on yeah. to the holler? I think it's, <laughs> I think it's time. <laughs> I don't know about the holler. <laughs> Natalie, what are you going to put on the shelf today? Okay. So this week I watched... Little Sims' new Tiny Desk performance. Niger women got the melanin dripping. L O N D O N C E girl living in the back, looking like fire chili pepper. And was just riveted. It's 20 minutes. I didn't want it to end. Spectacular performance. She is such a gifted performer and lyricist. The band was incredible. And her backup singer is just Little Sims. She's um She country. Uh, no, she's a rap artist out of the UK. Little Sims. Okay. Oh, oh. I'm writing that down. I think I know who you're talking about. Yes, yeah, she is. I mean, I knew she was talented, but this this performance really just blew me away. I couldn't get enough. The background singers, like, just pouring melted butter directly into your ears. Just spectacular. <laughs> I kid you not. Like, this is so awesome. Like, we something is really magical here. Because <laughs> I was going to recommend a tiny desk, too. Oh, but you I kid you not. And I was like, what? what? What's going on here? <laughs> Synergy. Which tiny desk are you going to record? Oh. Yeah, Moonchild. Oh, nice. Uh, Yeah, check out Moonchild. It's like a neo-soul. Yes, I'm obsessed. I love Moonchild. They're spectacular. And I agree with you. Their tiny desks are just off. off oh, man. Uh, it was so good. It was so good. So Love it. Oh, can I say, too, the the singer from uh, Moonchild, she's another one of those those singers, Amber, who just, like, has a smile on her face the whole time while she's performing. I don't know how. So positive. I know. But the vocals are just I doing just so amazing. It's like honey on your tongue. And just smiling. Yeah. I oh, man. I like her a lot. I like her a lot. A lot. A lot. I am going to recommend a reissued album. I've been waiting for this for a really long time. I have almost all of the Cure records, but this one I don't have yet on vinyl. And I've been waiting and I did not want a dang picture disc. <laughs> They're always releasing picture discs of The Cure, and this one is not, thank God, but it's Wish. Their album Wish from 1992. Thursday, I don't care. 
Um, they are finally reissuing it, and it's containing unreleased demos oh, wow. and tracks and versions. And I recently just heard one of them, and it's called Miss Van Gogh, and it's an instrumental, and it has like this really gnarly sounding bass and just like jangly guitars, which I love so much. Um, and so I'm just really excited about this reissue of The Cure's album Wish. So that is my recommendation. Go listen to the original album, or it is the, the original, it's just a reissue. Oh, but that's yeah, cool. Wish by The Cure. Well, it's been real nice going back to my roots, Tennessee roots with y'all. I sure have had a good time chatting with y'all. And thank you for having me take us. I live to go across the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Ronnie. This was so fun. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out with us thank in the you. store and chatting about these country divas. Yes. I'm going to make a playlist and listen to all of them now. Okay. And, stay, yeah. <laughs> and share that playlist, please. Okay, I will for sure. All right. Well, I guess we'll all head out and go get some dinner. Let's do it. I'm going to go get a drink. <laughs> yes. There you go. See you all later. Bye. Bye. Record Store Society is hosted by Natalie White and Tara Davies. If you'd like to contact the show, visit our website at recordstoresociety.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society.